You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. G'day Perth, welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host as always. Every week we get Perth's number one experts in the studio just to have a chinwag about our local market and what's affecting us as investors and homeowners. Today's topic is the 10 common mistakes when doing your first development in Western Australia. To help us out with that conversation, we've got a real estate agent who has seen more developments than I think I've seen in his life. That is Adam Normovsky from the agency. Adam, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Trent. Adam, let's get into this one really quickly because it is a long one we're going to yep. do. There are 10 points we want to flesh out, okay? First off, when we're thinking about doing developments, there are a number of considerations that most of us haven't thought of. We can drive down the street, we go, oh, they turned that house into next door and now there's three. It must be easy. That's right. It's not that easy. We'll run through some practical points as well as some financial points to get from A to B. Firstly, let's start off with just picking a property with the wrong zoning. (laughs) That's a bit of a doozy, isn't it? Yeah. Look, obviously, you need to do your research as much as possible. You've got some really good examples in Sterling as to how things are changing and have been changing based on need. They're changing it all the time. Yeah, zonings do change all the time. So it's very important when looking at purchasing a development block to do your research, speak to your, your local council, see if there's any also any plans or anything in the works for a zoning to potentially change in the future. I think is very important as well because you don't want that change, you know, happening to you overnight. So zoning is, is the number one most important thing, especially what's happened recently with the apartments in the city of Stirling where zonings were changed. You could then build six apartments instead of building three villas. Then two years later, they've changed the, the zoning back. So... It's very important to have your finger on the pulse when it comes to that. Well, imagine being that person who bought in at the top of the Westminster market yeah. to do apartments. Maybe things got a bit tight. They thought, look, we'll give it three, four years. We're in. Yep. And then still in change their mind again. It happened to quite a few people that we worked with and a few clients in our area as well. They got caught in that transition. Uh, it was very unfortunate. If they had to put the plans through, then there's the two-year allowance to build, even if the zoning did change. But yeah, it did happen to quite a few people. Bought when they had the money to buy or when they were available to buy. Didn't want to do the development straight away. Zoning changed and then all of a sudden, you spent 600000 for a block that's worth potentially 400 I guess it's also easy for a lot of people who haven't done enough research or spoken to enough experts to see a proper on a street that maybe has two or three properties developed on it and just expect that next door or the house that's not the corner for example can mm-hmm. do the same thing if they haven't got that context of all the different bonuses and yes. variations and whatnot and they come to the surveyor and the surveyor says sorry mate what you're trying to do here there's no way you can do three mm, yeah it's it's, uh, it's happened before and once again it comes down to doing the research just because next door's had a development you know how long ago was that development done has the zoning changed since then what's you know what's different now with the public open space or with the tree planting that you need to do all those sort of things make a difference too so it's definitely very important to to get that well that leads into that next point yes council policy right every council has a different policy on how they allow people to do their zoning not only is it just the wapc zoning which we can look at the table it's not just that is it there's so many other lines that every council in their own unique way yes nice way to put it (laughs) yes will allow you to do your development what are a couple of things that we might have to consider in terms of council policy yeah so public open space is the biggest one, I suppose, the 10%, which is a big whack to a, to a development. For some councils, some some not. Some councils, some not, exactly right. Um, some councils have now introduced 
the tree every 500 square meters you need to have two um, mature age trees planted which you need certain square meterage for that too which then hinders the size of your villas or driveways or driveways is another beauty we're turning circles in a driveway all those sorts of things yep. jindal up if you want to do a side by side you need 20 meters of frontage yeah right if you've got 18 meters and your idea is to do two really nice places in dunkraig side by side mm-hmm. sorry mate not gonna Why happen you do it for two yeah. square meters yeah. exactly you have to do a house behind a house and the, the market not be paying for that what else you know as much as you might have 10 percent in sterling to do a triplex you go to Joondal up there is no public yeah. open space yeah. contribution because they're trying to get people to it, do exactly right where city of sterling has had an influx has been you know been, been happening for 10 15 years now yep. probably almost trying to make it a bit harder for people to do developments where June Lap's trying to get it going. I think so, very yep. much. Yep. Sewer location, number three. How does that affect people when they're looking to build? Yeah, it does. We've had one, I mean, years ago where it ran right through the middle of the property, wow. you know, and you couldn't really... You couldn't build anything. That. Yeah. yeah. But um, usually, from my experience, along the back fence or along the front of the street, if it is along the back fence inside the property, you've then got setbacks off of that sewer line. So that can really affect, especially the last unit in that scenario, courtyard space, etc., uh, living dining space, you need a setback from that and you're losing almost 20, 30 square metres. It does make a big difference, yes. Your sewer location is crucial. That's crucial, especially when you've got those 700. You yeah. know, look at the city of Joondalup right now. They're now doing triplex on 685, yeah. 700 square metres. Every square metre counts at it that It does, size. most definitely. That's really, really small. And, you know, they probably start incorporating single garages and things like that. But, yeah, if you've then got a sewer line running through and you're losing another 20, 30 squares, you know, good luck getting three units on there. An easy way to check off on that is to look on the My Water website. Yes. It's a water corporation site where they give you mapping tools to be able to just check the red line. Does it go through your property or does it go through the neighbor behind yes. or the neighbor to the side? And if it does, how far? Now, they always have the caveat that it's not exact. 100%. And that's why you get your surveyor to go yeah. out there. Look, another good one is uh, Dial Before You Dig. That gives you all your services. So it gives you your water corp, your Western Power, the whole lot. So that will, you know, just... It's pretty easy. You just map it around, put the diagram around what lot you're looking at purchasing and it'll email you all the information almost immediately. Almost immediately. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It, of it's all great. the government services that we've yeah. got that take forever, it's that amazing there's this dial before you dig. Yeah. The second it becomes about liability and, oh my God, I'm just about to dig here, yeah, yeah. it comes in five minutes. And I'll tell you what, back in the day, um, we never had that. So it was... You can imagine the time and effort we put into selling a development site by ringing the water court, waiting. For, it used to be the mud maps, I think it was called back then, getting yep. them. And that was only ring, 10 years Western ago. Power. Now it's all at the t- you know, there at the touch of a finger. So, yeah, it's very, very good. And a dial before you dig on any development site you're looking at for sure will be the first thing you do. And, and again, ones you're looking at, you don't even have to buy it yet. That's right. Do a dial before you and dig. It's free. Guess when you're looking on a realestate.com. Yep. Yeah, it's free. Exactly right. How about slope and retaining? This can be a huge cost to yeah, someone. Yeah, we've seen a few people get stung with these over the years. And even sometimes when it doesn't look that bad to the naked eye, there is actually a bit of retaining involved. So obviously retaining can become pretty expensive. Obviously your fence lines around the property as well is another big expense that you want to look into. And then your sale price, if you've got something really sloping towards the back or you're going to go with the contour of the land or whatever, obviously it's harder to get in and out with cars. And these sorts of things affect your sale price as well as have a heavy cost of the development stage. You could have a flat block. However, all your neighbors around you could be a meter up yep. or down from you. And then, you've, I mean, especially when you're doing a triplex, there's not a lot of space for setbacks. You could have to be doing some really serious retaining around those areas. Yep. And then you won't be able to build to Correct. the boundary. Yep. For me, on the suicide, especially just to go back with the slope in turn, if you're sloping up, and the sewers at the back, and you're supposed to be getting your sewerage from the front unit yep. to the back, 
Sometimes it won't work. There you go. Yeah, it's another great point that people would not even consider, you know, when you, buying a development. Suite. I've had to go and get the inspection point looked at by a plumber before buying a place just to make sure that that rear sewer is yep. that far down, you know, three, yep. four meters down so that the front unit can be serviced. Amazing. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And let's get on to quickly getting inside the home once we're looking at building them. Mm-hmm. The spec of your triplex or the spec of your side-by-side or your apartment even, when you're not building big four-by-twos that people can play around in themselves, you sort of have to create that ready-to-go product the yep. spec makes a massive difference. Huge difference, especially in a tough market where there's so much available and of a similar stock spec. When you look at it on the grand scale of doing a development, it doesn't really cost you that much extra to spec it a little bit higher because you're buying three times every of the product that you're purchasing. So 40 mil stone thick bench tops, got to be stone in my opinion now. Nobody's doing laminex anymore. You're doing laminex, you're shooting yourself in the foot. It's not that much more expensive to go stone to laminex, funny enough. Your floor coverings, your ceiling height is another big thing. Creating a, a, a bigger living dining area, creating a bigger space, all very important things. But spec is crucial to selling and, and crucial to doing a development. Floor plans, when you're doing a bigger houses, it's not as important to get the floor plan right to the to the centimeter. As long as you've got the three meter by three meter bedrooms, and you've got quite a lot of open space area. As much as the better floor plans will sell much easier, when it comes down to the smaller units, it's crucial that your floor plan is in some way practical and can maybe help out with getting some sunlight in as well. Yeah, definitely very, very important when you're working with small spaces and seen some really, really bad designs over the years, but as, you know we've seen some great ones too. And it's funny now, you see the 728, which is a standard sort of size block in our areas, usually sort of use a very very similar floor plan which has been absolutely maxed out sewer lines in the same spot and it's just the one that works and flows really well with a few differences for depending on who's doing the building but yeah very very important your floor plan and what we find is usually the most accommodating floor plan would be in the middle unit because that's usually the hardest one to sell getting as much natural light in making your living dining space as big as possible still having nice amounts of storage big master bedroom slightly smaller second bedroom and the third bedroom being the smallest and could be almost a study size because the demographic of buyers buying these properties usually don't use that third bedroom. What's more important, a bigger alfresco or a bigger living area? Bigger living area, most definitely. Let's pull back out of the unit now Mm -hmm. and look at the street. Yep. Is there a point where you come to the conclusion that there's just enough units on this street or we should change it up? I don't think so. I don't think, um, you know, especially in a rezoned area, I don't believe that is a development mistake as far as having too many units on the same street. It's That means usually, in my opinion, it's the same sort of people living on the street, same sort of demographic, and people want to be around that. So, no, I don't, I don't believe that, sir. So, in terms of picking your street... Very important. What would help you determine which factors would be a good street and a bad street to do a development? Obviously, your main roads are always going to be more difficult to sell. That's common knowledge. The quieter the street, cul-de-sacs is the ideal areas you, you can be doing developments. The way the street is maintained and upkept, is it easy on the eye or is does it look like there's a few rental properties in there or is there state housing on the street or is there not? All those things make a big difference. How far away it is to services, can you get quick and easy access to freeway and, and highways and is there close proximity, is it walking distance to a shop, schools, parks? That's all the main things you'd look at when picking your street. Well, we just did number seven and eight then. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped the gun. <laughs> no, a bit. that's fine. I, we can flesh it out a bit more. Yeah. When I, I think it's important to note that if you're going to make the choice to go into a unit or an apartment, you're doing it because you're willing to cut down some of the floor space yep. in exchange for location, 
and walk score. And convenience and, and lifestyle. It's exactly, yeah. right? So w- what do you think is the most important couple of factors that makes a development most valuable? Is it schools? Is it parks? Is it highway? Is it train stations? Is it shopping centers? Which yeah. ones do you think uh, make the best value triplex? Look, once again, it depends on the, on the buyer. If you've got the young families, which a lot of these buyers that are buying this product have got, usually in my experience about to start a young family or have maybe one child schools are extremely important walking distance to school one of the parents will drive to work and the other parent will walk the child to the school then when you're looking at people who are downsizing into these properties which we do get quite a bit of as well they're looking for proximity to shops and to public transport so depending on which buyer it is depends on what they're looking for but all those services and locations are very important we can pull it back now and i think this is most important for development concepts where there's time in the market before you actually get to market time risk of your development we saw this really heavily through your area especially adam in 2014 2015 Mm -hmm. if you got in at that time you better have got that development done bloody quickly yeah a lot lot happens especially over those course those years a lot happened in the market Uh, there was a massive shift in prices and a massive shift in land prices as well so if you're building or you're hanging on the market at that time there was in some cases almost 50 to sixty thousand dollar drops per unit in a complex so that's a whole profit line it it is it's gone it's finished and in saying that as well around that time buyers were paying more for land as well so by the time they've finished the development they probably could have got the land for about 100 grand cheaper as well so if you look at that as a whole it's nearly two hundred fifty thousand. $300,000 $300,000 over a triplex development, massive hit. You know, buyers returning to sellers were then selling at a loss because the market shifted so much. So yeah, picking the right time to buy your land and then picking the right time to start the development. I know no one's got a crystal ball and it's hard to see into the future, but it's very important to gauge what the market's going to do in that time you're going to be on the market, how long it's going to take you to build, what your holding costs are. That's all going to play a major factor to your bottom line. It's a bit of a consolation though that we're at the bottom of the market now, now knowing that it's going to take some time. We might get some passive growth we weren't expecting, but also we're building when the builders are hurting the most and giving us the cheapest price. So we're buying in at a wholesale price. We're building at a wholesale price. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we're going to be selling at a more reasonable price than we expected at the end of the day. I I believe so. Obviously, it's still best to work on your worst case scenario numbers today's numbers today's numbers exactly right and that's your worst case scenario (laughs) so you know obviously things are looking on the up so yeah definitely the perfect time right now even to be buying land and banking it but to be like you said you're building at a lower cost it's going to take you 12 months to do your development prices should have kicked back up by then definitely the ideal time and one last more technical point this is number 10 in our common mistakes of doing your first development yeah Holding costs and GST costs. Can you run us through those implications? Yes. Well, it's very important to factor that in before you go into the whole development process because, you know, if you're doing a development, especially in these times, you're probably running on your 10 to 15% margin, I would say maybe 20%. Now, you've got to factor in that as soon as a property is sold and settled, you need to pay GST on that immediately, which is 7%. Mm. So there goes 7% straight off the cuff. As well, on top of that is your holding costs. What's it cost you to hold the property throughout? You know, is it going to take you 12 months or is it going to take you six? 16 months it's a big difference uh, is it going to take you eight months how quickly can you get it done that's going to determine how much you pay in holding costs obviously it's better as quickly you can build it quicker you've sold them the less interest and holding costs you're going to pay the more profit 
Well, that's the thing. At the end of the development, that's when you've got the most holding costs because you've now got the right. purchase and the development costs at their max. Correct. Every month you don't sell them is essentially the highest thousands of dollars yes. per month that you're holding them. Yes. And that brings into the point, just the last little consideration the quicker you can sell them, the better. What gets things sold the quickest for me? I think it's furnishing. Yes. Little tip. Finishing, furnishing. Furnishing is is a huge one and that's simply because you're painting a picture for the buyers, what it's going to look like when they're actually living in the home rather than just walking into an empty space. So yeah, that's definitely an investment that, in my opinion, a necessity when selling uh, development. Adam, thanks for coming in. Have you in again soon. Thanks, mate. Okay, so we're going to move on to the suburb spotlight now and we're talking Boragoon. Of course, we've got one person in the room that can talk about that. That is Boragoon's number one agent, Peter Zambotti from Mont Property. Peter, thanks for coming in. No problem, Trent. Thanks for having me. Boragoon, what an interesting area. You've got a lot of movement going around Garden City. Boragoon is essentially Garden City, isn't it? And and that lifestyle, that future, the excitement of Boragoon is coming from the redevelopment options of that shopping centre. What's happening? It's a good one, Trent. I mean... Boragoon is really changing based around Garden City. Um, the zoning has been changed because of that and they're looking to really bring it into the new age with uh, different zonings that allows multi-unit sites, um, you know, triplex blocks, duplex blocks. So we're getting a lot more um, buyers and investors now looking in Boragoon because of those changes around the exciting Garden City expansion. We'll move into the development stuff later, but what Risley Street is just going nuts, isn't it? It's changing There's fast. There's huge apartment buildings coming up. Yeah, and Marmin Street. Some people would have made a lot of money, dumb money, dumb luck money, mm, living yeah. around there, not having a clue. And then one day someone like you says, your house is worth 1.2 mil. And they've gone, holy moly. They've gone from 700 to to 1.2, 1.3, 1.5 million just based on the zoning of R20 to R100 overnight. Well, that's like winning the lottery. Yep. We'll talk about lucky that later. For some. We'll, yeah, we're lucky for some, right? Uh, let's wind it right back to the start. We always talk about the start of the suburb, the history. When did Boragoon become a place to live and who, were, who was living there? Who was buying there back in the day? Always young families have been attracted to Boragoon. Reason being, it's amenities, it's a plethora of parks. Even the east side of Boragoon, Trent, there's... There's park after park after park. So it's really afforded itself to young families based on the amenities. Um, and that's who we see buying now. And 10 years ago, it was it was young families. And that continues to be the, the hotspot so much for the city of Melville. Um, you know, with an affordable budget to get a nice land size, but have the amenities of some of the, you know, really expensive blue chip surrounding suburbs but to get into a good suburb with fantastic amenities. And halfway between the city and Frio, you can't hmm. go wrong. You've got both lifestyles. You've got the accessibility of the train station and the freeway, but you've also got the fun of the beach and Frio half, halfway each way. You bang in the middle. You've got Leach Highway and Canning Highway. Take your pick. And a fantastic shopping centre that finally, hopefully, is going to start having its upgrades. It's been a bit late, hasn't it? They're dragging their feet. They say that it's going to be May, but... Look, nothing in concrete, but if you walk through Garden City, you can see people are planning and certain things are shut down or roped off. So it's imminent, but um, everyone's looking forward to the changes because it is it is the hub of Boragoon and it's really going to bring uh, a lot more people to the area and it's a five-star amenity f- for the suburb and surrounds. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, even if you don't take in, into consideration the development blocks, the passive holds, the the owner-occupied properties, they're all going to start growing in value for no other reason, in my opinion, than just the amenity is going up. More people want to live there. 
supply isn't increasing much. There's not much going on in terms of new land estates in Borogoon. No. So when demand goes up, supply is pretty limited. What happens? Price goes up. So I think everyone is going to be up for a good time in, in the area. Yeah, people can see that. And we are getting a lot more overseas investors paying attention to Borogoon now because people understand around major infrastructure, there's more demand, there's more people, which like you said, Trent, brings prices up. So we are really getting a lot more overseas interest where we before weren't getting so much of that because it was single residential zoning and you couldn't um, you couldn't unlock the potential of, of the location and the amenities. But now that they've changed certain pockets, people have more options. So you, you corner block summer triplex now, you know, your main arteries are R100, then you've got some R80 and R60 zones and even R40. So there's plenty of options. That's a good thing. Optionality, not yep. just this blanket triplex for the whole suburb. You just become a denser version of before. Spot it's on. the optionality, and I think we'll talk. We have to. We'll talk about it later. But the, the city of Melville, geez, they're they're aggressive. Give me that archetypal buyer off you right now. They got they got kids. Their husband, wife. They're single. What are they making normally a year? What sort of what, who's buying off you? It's really the younger families, mid thirties to to late thirties sometimes early 40s that's the general band with with younger kids that are, are either going to the Burragoon primary or Applecross high depending on on the spot but it's really the younger families the key is the parks there's plenty of parks as i said and you're getting a bit more yard so you, you stand and block in Burragoon 728 square meters where if you go to the the surrounding suburbs for that sort of money you're going to get a 450 500 square so with young it's already kids been split up yeah, you've got plenty of room in the backyard for for the family to grow, and it's an affordable price point. So it's it's definitely young families. Um, we do get a few downsizers want to stay in the area, so they've got a you know big block and they want to get a you know a little um, townhouse or a, a unit in Burragoon because they're familiar with the amenities. Um, but we're also now getting some investor interest because of the zoning change. So we've got a real broad spectrum of of buyers looking at the suburb because of the options but before it was a little bit um one-sided it was just just family 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 but now it's okay the amenities are so good here you've got transport garden city parks let's let's invest there let's do a development Mm, okay well we're naturally segueing into the second part of this uh this chat and that is price points uh it's not the cheapest suburb let's be honest it is medium to upper in my opinion in terms of of demographic Mm -hmm. uh uh, but how cheap can it get in Borogoon and how expensive and what are you getting for those prices all the way along? Two bar ones are, you know, mid to high threes um, for two bar one. So that's really your entry point to get into a, you know, a fairly well-maintained complex. Prices go all the way up to, to well, there's been some sales in early twos back in the day, but really your, your, your highest sort of sales are, one two, one three, up to one five at the moment for the Ramble Precinct. Yep, uh, that's um, flagship streets uh, surrounding Garden City. But yeah, your median's about eight fifty to eight eighty. Is that your four us. by two? That's your four, four by, by two, two and seven hundred. Yeah, single level four by two. Your block value is you know probably early eights. So the residual value is not a huge amount, but we're getting a lot of people coming in, buying those, and either doing complete renovations or knocking them down and building you know nice single level homes oh really mm. so when were these things built in the first place are the 80s builds normally the 80s builds are the ones that are staying it's the other side your east part of Borogoon, which backs onto brentwood and mount pleasant they're your late 60s early 70s yep. and they're the ones where people are coming in and there's where the majority of the parks are that's where people are coming in 
and knocking down. And instead of building a long, thin, narrow house with a 10-meter frontage, they've got these you know, 18, 20-meter frontage, perfect for single-level homes. So we're getting a lot of that. And then that's bringing the area up, and that's where people want to be, that east side of, of um, Risley Street, backing onto Ardross, Mount Pleasant, Brentwood. Yeah, so I guess you're just accessing the city from Leach Highway instead of Canning Highway. Yeah, yep. And, and it's it's the river side of Burragoon, so it holds more prestige because it's closer closer to the river's edge. Okay. Well, clearly there's just so much op- optionality and what we're seeing is more of that is going to come very soon. The reason I really want to talk to you today is development. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm a development guy, but uh, Burragoon is, as we said in the preface of this, it's, it's ripe for the picking in so many ways. Talk to us more specifically about where the pockets are for development, what you can turn these things into, and what's currently happening in, in Borragoon, who's currently taken a, taken a punt uh, and have done pretty well. Mm, really good question, Trent. The, the main arteries surrounding the activity centre of Garden City have been changed. So they, they range from R100 on, on Risley and Marmion or parts of Risley to, to R80 to R60 and R40. So there's a lot of options. The, uh, the R100 sites are limited. They are quite sought after because you've got mixed use. You can put residential and commercial, four-story height limit, opposite Garden City. You can't really go wrong there. So they've been quite popular. Um, there's one major site underway at 555 to 557 Marmion. They're the first guys to pull the trigger, but um, it looks quite impressive. So I think people will naturally follow that. Um, zoning hasn't been changed for that long, so it's still in its infancy. But where we're seeing is people now knocking down houses, putting you know two side-by-sides there. Um, so they've got options of you know 350 squares. Before, the only option to have a near new house on a small block was the main street of Risey Street, but now you can do that on the back streets. So people are thinking, well, I can get into the area and not be on a main road and get what I want. So it's accessible to a normal mum and dad investor. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on where your institutional investors are mm. going to get excited. Risley Street, Marmion, mm, yeah. right? But most of us can't ratings. afford that. What, what, are the, what are people who are maybe looking at a property and going, I can live here mm. and there's development potential either now or in the future? What are they paying to get in? Yeah, so your R40 sites is your is really what you'd be looking at if you're a mum and dad investor anywhere from sort of 850 to a million dollars um, is, is what you pay for the R40 site and that's generally three townhouses so they what's happening is the downsizers with a you know bit of foresight will buy that keep one for themselves sell the other two so that's that's really the change that's happening quite aggressively is the R40 sites because the R60 R80 and R100 you do need a lot more capital to to unlock the potential of of that site and do it justice and pay the premium for the coding but r40 can't go wrong that's good that's good to hear that both sides of the equation are able to jump in because they very much could have just locked that level out and narrowed the options for people to move out and downsize but to have that third option of the townhouses through the 700 800 square meter blocks mm. that's i think that's really important both for the suburb but also for people to get in and, and win as well the area. yeah exactly right uh, because then you, obviously if you don't you've got a whole bunch of really old houses mm. and a whole bunch of really new houses and just nothing sort of in between uh, for people to just keep upgrading. City of Melville, they're pretty aggressive right now. They're pretty helpful and that they are they are quite aggressive, as you say. They've got quite large infill targets to meet and, and look, we, there have been the, the local residents that have opposed this and questioned the need for it. But, you know, progress 
you've got to go down that path and um, City of Melbourne have been very helpful their pro development within reason you know they don't want to change the integrity of the area too much because people like it for its you know it's it's, it's a peaceful area it's it's quiet it's it's good for families they don't want to turn it into you know a gold coast but they want to revitalize it and and unlock its potential being so close to everything and, and it's surrounding amenities and you've got transport on the doorstep so they're doing the right thing some people will say not but we believe that they're they're not going too far but they're like i said unlocking the the uh, proximity to to everything there They've done something quite unique, in my opinion, in the way that they've rezoned the area. A lot of cities will elect to provide split coating mm. on blanket areas. Now, I find that to be quite lazy. What they do essentially is say, look, at the lower the lower zoning, you can't subdivide. At the higher zoning, the only way you're allowed to subdivide is if you do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Mm-hmm. And it becomes ex- extremely onerous on the developer, who is generally just a mum and dad investor, to get this thing done. Mm. Very confusing as well. Instead, what City of Melville have done is they've specifically changed the coding in specific pockets. So they haven't made it any harder for you to develop. They've just made it very specific that in these areas we want you to build townhouses or we will incentivize you to do so. In these areas we're incentivizing you to build apartments. And in these areas if you want to do a house behind a house or a mm. side by side, that's what yep. you can do. We're not going to make it any harder than normal. And it just makes it more fluent, mm. easier, less stuffing around at the planning stage. Uh, and more confidence for the investor to know exactly what they can do with their block. And get on with it. Exactly right. That's my rant. Mm, uh, Peter, good. at the end of the uh, chat, we always talk about the median house price. I ask you that question. Mm-hmm. Peter, what is the median house price in, in Borragoon? And if you have that money in yeah. your pocket today, what would you buy? Two buys. If I, was, if I had the money in my pocket today to buy as a mum and dad, I would buy in the east pocket of Borragoon a nice flat single level um old home that i'd rent out for a bit knock down and rebuild on it ideally opposite a park because you just can't go wrong there and you have a line of people to buy it off you when you're finished if you if you want to sell it if i was an investor with 880 in my pocket i would buy something with a coating of of r40 backing onto one of the main arteries so that i've got the townhouses where people can lock and leave and walk to garden city i think you can't go wrong with that if you build it right three townhouses you get the block for near on 900 and uh and then away you go i don't think there's there's no loss there it's really land value you're paying nothing for the shell you can unlock it and it's got everything around there for an affordable price peter zambotti thank you very much for your time today and good luck for the rest of the year in what i think is one of the more uh fortunate suburbs and areas of perth in 2019 and I hope to have you in again for, a, for an update soon. Not a problem, Trent. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!